Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Glove Podcast. I am your host, Gabrielle Love, and we are back with another intuitive session. Today, we have an amazing woman with us today, a soul goddess, someone who's going to bring lots of beautiful insight and experiences um, around specifically the divine feminine aura work, um, you know, women's work. And I'm really excited to hear about that. Um, I will welcome her to the show in just a few moments. Before I do that, just want to say a quick thank you for all the support and the feedback. Thank you for tuning in. And yeah, that said, let's get started. Clarity, welcome to the Glove Podcast. Thanks, Gabriella. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. Um, I, usually, I ask people to introduce themselves uh, quickly. Are you open to doing that? Yeah, for sure. If I can, because when I think about my introduction, sometimes it goes all over the place. So I'll try to be a little bit more concise. But um, yeah, so I do mostly women's work. I've been doing that for about five years, um, this sort of divine feminine empowerment. And lately I've been focusing more on online course with everything that's happening. I used to do a lot of workshops and retreats and now I do online course for women to reconnect to their divine feminine. So I teach archetypal psychology, archetypal work. Uh, and we just do a lot of circles online where everyone gets to share their own wisdom. That's basically my passion is to create an environment where women can really feel seen, feel heard, and have the space to express uh, themselves in an empowered way, and then be inspired to do that in the world and to really develop themselves around what they know to be true, which for a lot of women is this kind of divine feminine wisdom that we all have. And that I think as on a collective, we're reattuning to. Um, so yeah, that's, that's basically what I do. And I'm originally from uh, Switzerland, but my mom's Canadian, my dad is Italian. So I have this like diverse background and I'm currently living in Costa Rica. I just moved at the end of last year. So wow, that's about me. Yeah. That's awesome. That's an awesome introduction. What a cool combination of uh, different cultures. And uh, yeah, that's, that's really, really cool. I'd love to hear more about the uh, divine feminine and this work that you do um, a few days ago, or well, now it would be last week, sometime last week. So last week was, um, I was every morning, I'd wake up from a dream. And uh, it seemed to me that each dream I was having, I, I was doing some sort of work and processing through stuff. And, and uh, it, it also, and this is a sidebar, it also felt like something or someone was present with me. And uh, one of the mornings I woke up and I, I realized that um, I was holding on to this conditioning or this idea that leadership or uh, being a creator or someone that leads or um, someone who builds something that is successful um, I associated all of those things with a man. I like there was this there was this conditioning that I picked up somewhere along the way where I thought that if I were to lead, I had to lead from my masculine side. 
Um, and, and so that morning I started reflecting on that. And, and of course I, I realized that, Hey, I don't have to lead, you know, when I'm leading, I don't necessarily have to lead from the masculine side. I can also lead from the feminine side. And that kind of opened up this, uh, realm of new possibilities of what, what does it look like? And what does it feel like for me to lead from my divine feminine, um, rather than trying to, um, tap into my divine masculine because of some sort of belief that that I picked up along the way in, you know, probably in my childhood, that leadership equals uh, masculine, like masculine energy equals leadership. And that's something interesting that happened for me last week. Um, so I'd love, I'd love to use that as sort of a, a launching pad for talking more about the divine feminine and that work. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I just nod my head the whole time you were telling this because it's I, I resonate so much with that experience, Gabriella, and I think a lot of women feel that deeply in them. And I also think that for some women, it's more unconscious than some for some others. For me, it was definitely an awakening to come into this divine feminine work to understand through Tantra, because I have also a tantric background to understand what is the feminine, what is the masculine, and to understand the dynamic between them both and to start to see this dynamic uh, playing out in a dysfunctional way in our culture, in my own conditioning, in the own relationship that I have, that I had with my with men and women, and in the way that I was modeled this, like in that example, leadership from more the masculine versus the feminine. But there's a lot of things that we do more in a masculine way and how that affected me. So it's a long journey that a lot of women, a lot of men, too, are awakening to. How can we just find more balance, find this more natural expression of the feminine and masculine, just like you were saying, like instead of trying so hard, letting it happen from who we are, what we're here for and do what we love, what we're passionate about, creating from desire, from intuition, from inspiration. And we still need the masculine, like you were saying, not so much to lead, that inspiration is more a feminine thing, actually. And that's the correct dynamic between the two is that the feminine inspires that desire, that sexual creative energy is more that Shakti feminine, but we need the masculine. And that's a thing that in the movement of divine feminine is, is really important to understand. And something that I really try to convey in my circle is that we need that masculine to support the feminine impulse of creation and that has always been the balance if you look at different archetypal stories the feminine for example with the knight and the lady the lady is the symbol for beauty and love and desire and she's this kind of awe goal of like spirituality and unconditional love and new life through creating a baby and all this that is like kind of the goal or the inspiration for the the knight, the warrior to have discipline and commitment and focus and go into the world and do the work, which is overcoming the shadow or transforming the shadow. So this is kind of a really important template that I like to always remind myself of because we really need them both. And 
that's really how they can come together to have that feminine checking in with your inner world, which is more the feminine world, like how you feel, you know, this feeling, this intuition and this desire, this passion, this love that you have. And then with your masculine, grounding that into the world with action, with the discipline is also very important. Uh, and again, well, as I said, with this, you know, reclaiming the well-being, the flow, the connection to our body, to our senses, to desires, to our sexuality, sometimes we lack this understanding that we still really need that discipline and even the rational behind it, the logical steps and everything, the structure, the container for this work. So I, I hope I'm giving you a bit of a you know, a new, new way to, different perspective to look at this dynamic and how it, it played in your life, you know, with, uh, in, in that case, I think it was the, the leadership. So you still want a strong leadership that comes with a new foundation. What are we actually doing? A new purpose, a new inspiration that is grounded in beingness and what is natural for us and what we all really want and love or also what is unique to you, but to know that you need that introspection, which is more feminine. And then the masculine is putting this out into the world. Sorry, I'm super passionate about all these things. So sometimes I go into a bit of a monologue, but um, yeah, that's basically what I wanted to share about that. Yeah, thank you. Monologues are, are absolutely <laughs> welcome. So you're, you're welcome to do that anytime. Um, what about what about uh, trauma in the divine feminine, uh, the collective? Do, do you think that that's a thing? And if so, what are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. There's many ways also to look at trauma. Um, there's the collective trauma of the feminine repression. Uh, typically, we see in uh, in Europe with the Inquisition all over the world, really, with the just the colonization, we've been colonizing and killing the feminine, which sometimes translates into killing women, you know, for being witches and practicing witchcraft, which really was just invented to completely oppress certain groups that were connected to their feminine. And that is the same for indigenous people. Those indigenous people represented the part of the human, like or an expression of a human experience that is connected to the feminine, connected to the earth, and uses this wisdom that is, the earth is wisdom, Sophia means wisdom, that is the name of Mother Earth, to live, and it lives by the rules, the natural rules. And we saw a race that is the white race that was disconnected from their indigenous roots because they genocided all the pagans and all those cultures in Europe that were connected to the earth and then went all around the world to do the same. And so that is a big trauma that we all carry. We all carry that genocide of our indigenous roots. So that's a big first trauma. And then there's the matrilineage trauma of all those women that have been killed, that have been raped over and over again. And the trauma of the fact that those women did not have the chance to connect to their feminine, their very nature was not honored their truth was not honored their rights was taken from them they were completely shut down and oppressed for so long that's another big trauma and just to give you another perspective and another insight in my work there's another kind of perspective to have about the feminine masculine is that trauma itself the shadow itself is the feminine 
And that I find is a more empowering perspective because instead of being like, oh my God, we were victims, we were oppressed, etc., to understand that this is the path of the feminine is to go into shadow and to go into trauma. And that very shadow and trauma is a mine of gold for us to be able to learn how to be who we need to be to express our gifts in the world. And so every time I bring this perspective, because in the woman's work, we could be complaining and mourning and grieving over and over again. And we do that. I give space for that in my circles, but I find it a bit disempowering to see ourselves as victims. So instead, I like to understand that this is the kind of work that we're asked to do now, and especially women, because women are so in touch with their intuition and their inner world. And these sort of emotions that come, even if it's not from for themselves, they'll start to feel that collective trauma, like you were saying, or that collective shadow, and it changes with every moon cycle. There's another layer. So we invite that and we start to see it as, okay, this is the work that we've, we are presented with. And the reason why women had to go through such oppression and the reason why the feminine had to go into this oppression and this shadow and this descent, which is a theme that you see a lot in different mythologies and different stories that is that the feminine the woman goes into the underworld is to have this rebirth and regeneration and so it is a good thing it is something that we all need men and women to become strong to change to transform to learn and to become who needs who we need to become to really uh, live our purpose and um and fulfill our, our spiritual mission and, and fulfill our life. We're all, I think, here for a reason. And it's by going into the shadow that we can really understand what that reason is. Mm -hmm. Wow. I, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And that third perspective, that was definitely a new perspective for me. So I, I genuinely appreciate uh, you sharing that. And I'm sure for some people listening, that will be a new perspective as well. Um, so what's that, what's that journey been like for you, um, doing that work, um, you know, in that sort of mythological journey, um, of you in, in your life as an individual taking this work on, um, how have you done that? How, how have you processed all of these things like the repression, uh, the trauma, the shadow work, the descent, like, how have you done that? So I think there's another very good uh, archetype that I want to introduce at this point is the archetype of the wounded healer, which is always the case. I think it's Chiron. It's like one of the asteroid or planet or something that rules all of us in astrology, not necessarily rule. I'm not an astrologist, so I don't really know what term, but it's there for all of us. And so that similar path of going in the shadow to become who we need to be is the idea that we all, um, it's by, by tapping into our wounds. So for me, definitely, I have a big wound around the masculine oppression. I grew up with a father and a brother who was really abusive to me. I always saw my father as this like demon kind of, I was a child, you know, it's not like I demonized him, but he was very abusive, like physically abusive, mentally abusive, etc. bit of a narcissist. And my mom was just, just this like, angel so from child i was conditioned to see that 
duality that the feminine was this new paradigm that i wanted to embrace and i needed to transform that masculine so much and so my whole life i'm going to be doing this work but i've done a lot of work with healing my own divine masculine understanding it more which i'm also really passionate about just to really learn about masculine archetypes and and always grounding the masculine within myself because i think as a woman we tend to see mas the masculine as our heroes outside of ourselves just like you were saying that the leadership is like come from males so unconsciously we're waiting for men to save us and i do this in my life still you know and i empower women to be all of that and to be just you know, completely fulfilled in themselves. And yet I have these dysfunction in my own psyche that I'm trying to heal. And similarly with my sexuality and leading Tantra, there was so much shadow in my sexuality because um, I was exposed to pornography from a very young age and it just completely traumatized me to talk about trauma again and I just went into the the pattern of being this objectified woman who objectified her objectifies herself and mm. just gives herself for men you know to receive that gaze of men all the time so I, ha I had an awakening around that that was very strong actually one day I can tell you one day I was in a play uh, I, not in a play I, I went to see a play mm -hmm. and I saw this the main character was this woman who was completely objectifying herself like way over the top and she was deeply it was a story of her whole life and then at the end of her life she was completely empty and dissatisfied and just feeling you know yeah empty in terms of soul you know soulless and then there was her life all over again but from the opposite perspective of being completely not in touch with her body and her sexuality and yet she was still feeling completely soulless because whatever these women did they were in this culture and this influence of like objectifying women and and using women in a certain way that i don't know i just spoke to my soul and i went home and i cried my eyes out for hours it's like on a visceral level something in me was broken and i was able to see and nothing was going to be the same again but the healing journey only started then and I know now that it will last my whole life. So this is why I do the work that I do, because I need it. <laughs> I need it so much. And, and I need also the sisterhood a big, big time, because I always had guy friends. I'm very comfortable with men. I was always in a relationship. And the sisterhood feeling is a deep medicine for me. And yet it's very hard for me to just live by that all the time. I need to get out of my way to really feel that sisterhood in my life. So... I'm a medicine carrier of the medicine that I myself need. And I think it's always the case. And that's why I'm so humble in the work that I do, because I receive so much from it. And I don't, I, I sometimes appear as a teacher, but I'm only a teacher because I had to go through so much pain to, and I, I just relate my own experience basically. And I encourage women to, to really, uh, learn from their own experience. Uh, so we're not, you know, I'm not offering a pres prescription of a way to live, a way to see things, a way to go about things, a way to be, but I'm more just humbly offering, you know, my pain and how I've, I am slowly transforming it into, into something that feels, um, 
natural for me. It's my natural journey to go through everything that I'm, I'm doing. It's my humble service to the world, if you will. And, and I very much see that. Mm-hmm. I see my work in that way. It's like, I just need to do it. This is what spirit is telling me to do when I need it. So I just need to keep showing up. And sometimes it transforms. Uh, like right now I'm in Costa Rica and who knows what's going to come next. But the good thing is that when you're following your journey in that archetypal way, you know, your your personal myth, like you said, spirit is going to applaud, is going to say yes, is going to give you so much. So I've kept being blessed over and over again with great amount of abundance and amazing people and opportunities. My business has been growing and growing because I'm just answering the call, although sometimes it's hard and I just want to get a job or whatever, do something else. But it's just, um, you know, it's the mission. Um, so that's another way that I always want to encourage because I see so many women in, in my field, you know, they have this mission and they they're doubting themselves, they're mothers, they need income, they, they're, they don't want to appear like all of that, like a teacher, like a healer, whatever, what are other people are going to think. But I tell them, like, not only they don't have the choice, but also it will be everything they've been looking for and more, actually, the, the depth of fulfillment that that brings and the amount of blessing that we receive in return and healing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that there was a lot there. Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, just uh, to kind of hop on to the last bit of what you were talking about, um, that shift, it, it sounds like, you know, a shift happened. And um, since then, your your external life has been um, attuned into and aligned with your your sort of inner, inner drive or desire or your soul's um the 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 direction your soul wants to go in and and then you talked a bit about you know a lot of women doubt themselves and and they think about all these other things that get in the way and and i'm i'm you know i'm i'm one of those people i think definitely for me i'm still very much in that process of trying to make that shift and and um you know kind of waiting for the shift to happen um so so that said do you looking back at your own life and your journey, is that shift something that happened gradually as you kind of planted more seeds, nourished those seeds, uh, grew those seeds, you know, watered them. And then over time, you know, you, you found yourself in a life that was aligned with your, what you feel is your mission or what you're here to do, or was it, was it something that happened overnight? I want to say yes and no to that because um, the the yes overnight, I want to say that yes, it happened overnight in a way because first of all, it's always happening. The shift is always happening and I tend to, to be a little bit of a revolutionary in my own life and in the world. So I, I'm very bold and I have strong convictions. I'm an Aquarius, <laughs> to explain that a little bit more simply. I'm a, a very strong Aquarius energy, which is like the revolutionary, the humanitarian, um, the idealist, the visionary. And so when things happen, I feel them very deeply. I have a strong intuition about collective trends, and I will go into that direction. I will change my whole life in one day 
to align with what I believe a little bit less as I age <laughs> because I also need to ground a little bit and I want to find a home and perhaps have a family one day, etc. But I had this freedom to be able to change very fast, very quickly, and just the willpower too. That said, it did happen progressively in a way that I grew up with absolutely zero spiritual understanding. I was completely alone. My parents rose me atheist. And I, I was... Um, so I, I grew up in Switzerland and then I did an apprenticeship in the bank uh, from 16 to 19 years old. And then I went into a big corporation and I had a really good job and I was making good money and I, I was engaged and I had everything. And that um, led me to a deep depression, <laughs> a deep feeling of emptiness. And that was my first kind of spiritual awakening or, or um, descent or... Uh, night of the soul you know when you're like oh my goodness I feel dead inside I feel so stuck there must be more to life I was 21 years old and I was feeling like I was having a middle life crisis I was living like I was 40 with so much way too much responsibility maturity and just like I'm doing this thing of you know being successful in the world and the way other people expect me to do and um, so that was kind of slow because I didn't have any spiritual understanding. And then that led me to just follow this, the only kind of intuition and spiritual understanding that I had at the time, which was this idea that we need to follow our dreams in, in life. <laughs> follow your dream. So I went to Australia to study fashion design, which was a complete different life. <laughs> and I left everything. Eventually, I just realized that there's a lot more opportunities in life, different cultures, different ways of living that I that where I could find myself more instead of the self that I was in Switzerland. And I just left everything. So I was kind of like progressive. And after that, I went to Canada to study political science. So that was another life. And there in Vancouver, I didn't find my tribe yet, but what happened is that I guess I became more intuitive and I had this one specific summer where I met three people from Toronto that suddenly I resonated with. Mm -hmm. Gabriella, like I never resonated with people before. Like, mm -hmm. oh, these people are from the same planet as me. And I didn't even realize I was from another planet. I thought that I was just, there was just a problem with me. and I, my whole life I was trying so hard to fit in and suddenly there was some kind of eccentric spiritual inclined hippie intelligent people that I could talk with about anything with and they were all from Toronto so that's really the the well let's say the second time after following my dream the second time that I really followed my intuition mm -hmm. and I really trusted in that gut feeling and I moved to Toronto knowing, you know, just these three people and they were not like close friends. They were just like people that I met. And uh, I transferred my studies to UFT. And so that was like the real big shift happened in Toronto where I met all these, all these beautiful spiritual eccentric alien creatures that felt like coming home. So that's really when the big, big shift happened. But for it 
for me to arrive to Toronto at the time where I arrived, because before Toronto wasn't apparently like that too. It kind of started when around the, the year where, when I arrived, which was 2014, the conscious community in Toronto, et cetera. Um, and so, yeah, that, that could only happen if I did listen to those, those little bits of intuition that came early on. But, um, I want to say it, in a way it was pretty progressive because it took me many years to, to really find that, that tribe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. That was a lovely journey. <laughs> that was a lovely journey to go on. So then let's, let's kind of, uh, let's fast forward to the present. Um, just before we started the podcast, you were talking a bit about moving to Costa Rica and, you know, it feels like uh, a, a new earth is birth is, you know, being birthed at the moment. And um, you were sort of uh, alluding to, you know, encouraging and empowering people, specifically women, to uh, start listening to that call and, and really just uh, go for it. Now, I'm, I'm trying to think of, you know, what that looks like in practice, because I know that for a lot of people, this pandemic uh, or, you know, what has been happening the last year or so, um, it, it has had an impact uh, on, on a lot of lives in many different ways, a lot of different areas. It's opened up a lot of new possibilities and, and kind of uh, created circumstances for new opportunities and, and for new things to be birthed. And I think that it, you know, there's also, there's also the risk for a lot of people to take this experience of this last year and what still is, uh, you know, a current circumstance that we're all facing, um, to take that and to feel disempowered um, by it. And so I guess what I'm asking you is, um, what what are your your thoughts? What what do you intuitively feel is helpful for people uh, to shift from a, a sort of disempowered uh, reaction to what's happening to an empowered uh, movement or flow towards you know what what feels right to them? Mm-hmm. Well, I want to say two things well first of all i think about it a lot that question and i think a lot of people need to think about it if they're not already because uh yes the situation we're living in is seemingly very disempowering and at the same time there's lots of opportunity in the this big shift that is happening on the planet and into people's lives big shift people losing their jobs etc some of their families um you know, turning against each other, so much division, so much, um, yeah, just just brutal uh, change. And uh, it seems pretty dark. I have a lot of friends who are definitely feeling a bit of a, in, in an impasse with everything. And so I've been thinking about that, you know, how to, to stay positive for myself too, because I also tune into those videos that are predicting the worst. And to be honest, okay, the first thing I wanted to say is that I think we don't have the choice. That uh, it's not about courage anymore, it's about necessity to really mm-hmm. move forward because there's, you know, as as an intuitive, as an Aquarian, as my with my, my humble perspective of me as an individual, I really feel that things in that mainstream world, that old system that is falling it's that's going to get worse 
that's going to get worse. You can't just keep expecting things to go back to normal. You can't keep expecting that job that you lost to come back or that business that you lost to be able to reopen the same way as before. Everything's changing. You need to think in terms of, uh, you know, future technology, how things are going to change as a result. Look with like a broader vision and change accordingly. And that is exciting, actually. It's scary because we don't know what it looks like, but it's a new world, like you were saying, that we we're, we're have the opportunity to birth. And what opportunities do we have nowadays? We have so much opportunities thanks to the internet, thanks to some of the technology that we have. The fact that you and I are recording this, this podcast right now, and uh, people are doing lots of online courses. We, we are reclaiming education. We are reclaiming education for children, for adults. Mm-hmm. A lot of things are becoming obsolete. Well, guess what? We're gonna need to replace these systems with something. What do you want to create in the world? But not only that, but what do you want from your soul? Like from what is your passion? And what is your service to the world? Now is the time to put this in place. And I really, as I said earlier, believe that when people start to follow that, things will flow. They just need to come from this yes instead of coming from the fear. Because I also see I'm doing business coaching now for for women. I see a lot, and for me too, when I started, there's fear around this uncertainty, especially the finances. Is it going to be popular? There's already so many people doing that. Is it going to be worth the, the investment of time and energy and you know i i know that we don't have all the security net to be able to uh to really trust and and do the work to create the website and create the online course etc but i think that there's more abundance than you can actually realize still nowadays and people are going to come and and you're going to find the help that you need, you know, even if, um, let's say you're not going to have a job for like two months while you develop your product online. I, I, I took this risk, you know, even before, I mean, it was before COVID, but I was, I was working in a cafe while I was studying at university. And, and then eventually I dropped out of my program at university and I was working at this cafe. And then I just, stopped and I I started doing just time massage and I lived off time massage because I just I had to unplug from this job that was taking so much of my energy and you know what it worked it worked somehow I also had little expenses like I think people can live off a little bit less and make the sacrifice needed for that transformation and um, have faith because a lot of things I think are are happening to support that shift a lot more than we can imagine. And another thing that I want to say about this question is that I really see in general how people need to focus on creating, Mm. which we haven't been. We've been kind of, you know, working for someone else or regurgitating information or not doing the, the art that we want, the music that we want. But creativity, I feel in the age that we're living in, especially, is going to have more and more uh, value. And it's really what is there for us human beings. Um, 
So yeah, there's a bit of everything, right? Like the trust, needing to be smart with how things are changing and also just go with that deep desire for us to create. And um, yeah, everyone's journey is, is different, but uh, it's definitely worth um, trying to, to see things in a more opportunistic way and positive way because, um, and, and you know, get the community that you need to support that too, because community is everything. And um, there is a lot of people now, again, with the internet that we can connect to, to support our projects and our business. Again, way more than you can ever imagine. So even though COVID might make us feel alone, we are not alone. <laughs> There's so much also um, tools that we can use online that are free to start our, our projects and business. So. There's really, I think, everything in place again for that shift to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I, I agree with you. I'm with you. I think, I think perspective um, is uh, perspective has a, a pretty strong impact on the experiences that we have in life, and you know, we can, we can, we definitely have the choice to, uh, you know, choose a perspective that empowers us versus one that disempowers us. Um, that said, I also wonder, you know, it, it, I, I, so here's a, a word that I'm going to throw out, or two words, spiritual bypassing. And this is something that I came across probably a few years ago. And, you know, when I first came across it, I realized, wow, I, I, I spent a lot of my early 20s spiritually bypassing a lot of things. And, and so then, you know, that's sort of what uh, started my journey of, of doing shadow work. And so I think, you know, where that has led me so far is in a place where I feel it's important to, while it is important to own that, um, you know, that right that we have, the innate right to choose our perspectives and, and, and you know, create the lives uh, and the perceptions that we want for ourselves and, and choose the kinds of thoughts that we have and what we focus on and all of that. Um, it's also, at least this is what I'm finding so far, it's also important to acknowledge the, the kinds of emotions um, that certain experiences or circumstances may bring on or, you know, create circumstances for. And, and an example of that is, you know, we, we have this set of circumstances called uh, the pandemic and, you know, it has all of these effects. And, and for example, another thing you mentioned um, earlier was, you know, being in a cold climate for a long period of time has some effects uh, or can have effects. So there, there, there is an impact that certain things can have and, and the impact can feel like maybe feeling a little sad about it, maybe feeling angry about it, maybe feeling other emotions, um, just like we feel joy and, and gratitude. And so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I feel at the point where I am in my journey, I feel it's important to also make room to acknowledge those emotions and, you know, just acknowledge that, that they, they are part of uh, this experience called life. And there isn't anything to be ashamed of there. And there isn't anything to feel guilty about. And uh, it, it's, it's okay to feel those things when things happen. Um, the, the, the key sort of distinction between 
feeling things and then turning that into, you know, a pattern that becomes disempowering for a long period of time versus not doing that is just not, you know, not letting it get past the point of simply acknowledging, holding space for it, creating room for it, um, acknowledging that it's there, uh, and then kind of let releasing it after, after, you know, there's been a sort of conscious effort to hold space for it. Um, once we, once we hold space for an emotion, like, you know, we feel maybe, um, afraid of what the future might hold, or we're not really sure which way things are going to go. And so we're feeling afraid about it. Um, so we can do that, but then if we, if we then take that and roll it over into the next day and then the next day, and then the day after that, and the day after that, um, now we're doing ourselves a disservice. Um, and, and the, you know, we're, we're defeating the point of acknowledging the emotion in the first place, because I don't think the point of acknowledging emotions is that it then turns into this big monster that, you know, this elephant in the room all the time. I think the point is just to hold space for it and acknowledge that it's a natural part of life. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So did you have a, a question around that or were you just wondering where that fits with um, kind of the, the emotions that people are having right now? Um, I think I was just rambling, but yeah, <laughs> that, that people are, are having the, these emotions. Yeah. Well, I'd like to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. This uh, spiritual bypassing. I think what I what I'm hearing is that there's two kind of layers. There's the first layer of like acknowledging our emotions, and that's some that is where some people are are not able what some people are not able to do, you know, in the first place, they keep pushing, pushing, pushing every day, doing, 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 and they're not stopping to be like, oh, I'm afraid and I have anxiety. And, and I, what I'm hearing is also that in the spiritual community or some people who are spiritually inclined tend to do that too much. Oh my goodness. I have this feeling in my abdomen. I have this fear and all this shadow is coming up and they do that too much. So there's two layers for me to spiritual bypassing. First, bypassing your emotions by not acknowledging them. And then bypassing actually doing the work of then what? You know, if you feel anxiety, then what are you going to do about it? And that's something that a lot of people are getting in my environment and the spiritual community and people who are a little bit more in, in their feminine, uh, you know, in touch with their feminine tend to do too much. And that is for me a big spiritual bypass is that, you know, if you're feeling all these things, this fear, this anger, it happened to me where I was in, in a relationship um, where I was feeling abused. And you know what, Gabriela, I went into a dark night of the soul inside myself alone in my room for years. For years, I was feeling, what is wrong with me? What is it about my childhood that I manifested this person in my life right now to teach me? How can I transform this emotion in myself so that I can be more compassionate towards this person? What is the work that I can do on myself? Like all this stuff. And I called my spirit, my uh, psychotherapist 
I'd, I have a training also in psychotherapy and I had to do psychotherapy slash coaching in a way to um, as part of my program. And you know what she said? Move out. I was actually with um, with a person that I was living and she says, move out. Just have boundaries, do the things, do the actions that serve you in the world. Don't just keep feeling like you need to go within and you need to work on yourself in a spiritual way. That is big time spiritual bypassing. And that is something that I think we can definitely be inspired by now with everything that's happening. If you're feeling afraid, if you're feeling angry, if you're feeling sad with everything that's happening, in the world, yes, be in touch with it and do the shadow work in whatever way. I like to do rituals, to be honest. Like that's a big way that I that I transmute emotions and and feelings, etc. Or sometimes prayers, you know, whatever comes, dancing, all this thing, meditation is beautiful. But then take action because this will really support your journey. Use that divine masculine that mental rationality that you have all these actions that you can do to change things as well really show up as a spiritual warrior not just a spiritualist or just a warrior but like someone who is in touch with how they're feeling and their intuition and everything their visions whatever and that actually shows up on the human level in their relationship in their action in their work etc yeah yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. Uh, I love that move out uh, story. I think that 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 sums it up so well. It, it's definitely um, it, it's a great example of how taking action has has this impact on things. Um, here's a kind of unrelated question. What do you turn to for guidance? It really depends, I guess. Um, I'm I'm not uh, someone who seeks guidance um, through. Hmm, yeah, I. I guess what I mean to say is that I I get a lot of guidance internally and really listening to my intuition and I'm. I don't know if it's a good thing necessarily, but I'm very skeptical of people given me guidance <laughs> unless it really feels you know aligned with something that i already knew and then it's just a confirmation when it comes from outside of me but i get a lot of guidance internally i'm actually as an aquarian we're intro uh introverted extroverted <laughs> so i'm very intro i have this huge intro introverted world where a lot of my ideas and inspiration and everything comes comes from so i spend a lot of time alone just figuring things on my on my own and then it seems like my external world reflects that um but i do work with spirit guides too um but often they just kind of support where i already am and they just confirm that i'm in a good place they don't give me strong guidance as some people might think you know well, my guides have told me that this is the next step. Like, for me, it's kind of blend in with what I internally feel. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. No, it, it totally does, and and that's a that's a great answer. I mean, that makes complete sense. Um, I was I wasn't expecting you to come back with I turned to guidance uh, to something in particular. Turning to guidance. 
Um, you know, that being an internal process is also a completely reasonable answer and it makes sense. I think a lot of people do that, myself included. Um, although recently, um, this year, I have, I have tried, I have been making efforts to kind of open myself up a little more to um, external guidance. And I think that's just for me because I, you know, I, I just feel intuitively called to do that um, because I know that I have, I have carried, you know, uh, a layer of skepticism for external guidance. And, and that really, for me, came from a place of, I have all the answers I need within me. So I, I don't need external guidance, uh, but that doesn't mean that just because I don't need it doesn't mean I can't receive it. And so I've, I've definitely been making efforts to receive it nonetheless. Um, still a work in progress there. Um, what's, what's something that you've been thinking about lately? What, what's been on your mind lately? Um, well, I am listening to, you know, coming back to your question about guidance. Um, I've been looking for elders in, in my life more and I actually inherited a drum from an elder in Toronto who passed away so I never got to meet her but this woman was a Jungian psychoanalyst and she wrote many wonderful books that I'm now listening to on audible uh, some are not on audible so I'm gonna need to order them eventually when um, when I can do that because it's hard in Costa Rica so I'm really inspired by, by her speaking because it's audible, it's, it's recordings of her speaking, giving lectures on dreaming. Because as a Jungian, this is something I'm passionate about is, is this whole Jungian lineage of understanding archetypes. And, and part of it is understanding dreams and stories and yeah, myths, all these things, deities, symbols, like all these things are connected and, um, the the things that she well I mean she specializes in the divine feminine too but the the things that I've been listening to right now have been focusing on dreams and the importance of dreams which made me think of you know when you were talking about you having this dream of this this um this stranger and some repetitive dream happening over and over again these are so important. So I've been actually recording my dreams when when I wake up. Um, I don't always remember them, but if I do, it, I feel like it's a blessing. It's a message. She says it's actually from our the archetype of the self, which is kind of the equivalent of the higher self, or I like to think of it as our soul or our divine self or, or, or God self. It's a message from them to us for us to understand deep dynamics uh, of our soul's evolution, of our unconscious mind, of our life's journey and purpose, and all these rich, rich information, but not only information, but also energy that comes to us in, in every night as we regenerate, as our, our whole system uh, is trying to find um, this this harmony because in our life we do all these things and then we need life is always trying to find this harmony this balance and so that's what we do when we sleep we have access to this whole other realm that is trying to compensate for those patterns and addiction and teach us and show us in all these like mystical ways 
and uh, I'm still trying to to understand how to to do that. But the way that she, um, I started, I, I listened to a whole lecture, and now I'm, I'm listening to this other lecture more specifically on dreams. And she says the way that you can do that is to, um, you know, she says spend an hour every day on your dreams. And she recommended all this journaling work. And I'm not so much into journaling, actually, for some reason. I do have it a lot in my online courses because people love it. But I'm not so much someone who likes to journal. But then she says, well, some people like to paint their dreams for an hour every day or like to dance their dreams for an hour or just meditate on their dreams for an hour. And that really spoke to me. So now I'm I'm trying to do that in my life. I'm just taking all this energy all this material you know from the other world and putting it into my conscious day and life and trying to play with it and kind of this yeah this I don't know just this whole realm opens up and it can be fun it can be it's it's useful it's still kind of I'm still kind of unsure what it actually does um, but one thing that I I think is that it helps us to remember are something of our soul you know this is remembering that happens and this piece is coming together slowly and it's helpful in one way that i don't truly understand and one thing that she says in one of her books is that it helps us to remember it trains our brain first of all to connect right and left hemisphere conscious mind and unconscious mind so to connect information from the mystical the spiritual to the conscious mind which is the work that i do with women as this priestess training we're always bridging this is the work of the priestess but therefore it also helps us in the next life to remember this life or and before we're born to remember our spiritual journey you know what i mean like bridging even like the realm of the spiritual before we were born into this material realm if that makes sense and i find that to be so worth spending time doing <laughs> You know, it's like, wow, we have all these dreams. We have all this other side of us that before we were born, our spiritual self, like whatever you want to call it, our astral self. And we're only aware of this, the tip of the iceberg. And so, I'm, yeah, I'm just fascinating with diving deeper, basically, to see the other side and, and how to work with it, because it's so different from from the way that our brain works right now to be working with the spiritual realm you really have to be more in your feminine you have to be so intuitive you have to be so sensitive you have to be patient you have to be playful you have to be curious and it's such a good training for us to do that if only in our culture we were valuing this kind of work you know, dream work or, or mystical dancing and all these creative things, I think we'd live in a totally different culture and um, and people would find way more balance in their life because it's not only regenerative, just like when we sleep, it's regenerative, but it's also just deeply nourishing and fulfilling to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I love, uh, I love uh, one of the things was mystical dancing I think that's mm -hmm. a beautiful thing I, I love dancing and, and dancing um, from a place that feels intuitive and in flow is just uh, it, it's magical there there are 
there are no words I can come up with for, for that feeling and that experience. It's definitely something I appreciate uh, quite a bit. And as far as what, what you've said about the dream world, those are very interesting uh, takes on it. I've, I can't say I've ever really looked at it that way. I, I dream quite a fair bit. I, I dream a lot and I remember my dreams quite a bit. And I think for me, because that's been such a part of my life and, you know, that's not to say that I don't, you know, sit down and reflect on them. I definitely reflect on them. I definitely learn from them. Um, but it, I think, I think I've become almost uh, desensitized to it. Like I find it's become so normal in my life that I forget to, I, I forget to really appreciate um, the, the, you know, the gift that that is. And so I appreciate you, you offering that perspective because it's really, it's, it's, it's reminded me um, that uh, dream work is, is a beautiful thing and, and there's a lot there. And um, you know, when, when, uh, when, when we have access to it, that's something to be grateful for. So thank you for reminding me. Um, mm -hmm. I definitely forgot. Uh, I forgot to feel grateful for it, to be honest. It, it's, it just happens. Well, that's because our culture doesn't value it. Isn't it interesting that everyone dreams and spends so much time sleeping half of, I don't know if it's half, actually, it's eight hours a day, but you know, it's a lot considering what it does for us and the fact that everyone does it and it's deeply important and necessary for our well-being and our health and our mind and everything. And we don't spend time really looking at that you know what's the best way to sleep and, and what you know just studying like sleep and dream and regeneration all of that that's because we live in a culture that doesn't value the feminine <laughs> we need to remember that things are important and we need to spend the time um, to to do that you know just to slow down a little bit to pay attention to certain things like sleeping or eating you know that's also very feminine, like nourishing. It's like Mother Earth that we're putting in our body. And, um, you know, we've gone to an extreme with like fast food culture, all these things, raising the children has been devalued. That's another huge feminine thing. Like, oh, let's just give it our children to the government. They'll raise our children to television, iPads, whatever. They'll raise, like it's being like, oh, it's a chore, but actually, like it's almost like a chore like people maybe if they could they would not sleep at all you know because they would want to stay awake and do all these things that they don't have time to do 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 but no <laughs> like the feminine is there and needs to be acknowledged and needs to be valued and what about creating a culture that would do that you know that would actually teach children to do this kind of work so that they would continue with this legacy of really honoring the, those feminine things of, of the human human world and experience the humanness and the spiritual side of us too yeah i i love the perspectives that you're you're bringing uh like i i for one again i've i've never looked at um eating food as, as necessarily a, a, you know, a feminine, um, you know, a, a divine feminine expression. Um, and, and that's a really beautiful thing. Like I've, I've never looked at it that way. So I, I really am, I'm sort of listening and going, wow, that, that's, um, 
that's really great that you're offering that perspective. And when I hear it, it, it makes complete sense to me. It, it makes natural sense. So that's, yeah, that's really cool. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And I just want to say, you know, a lot of things can be seen as feminine and masculine. I'm not super attached to labels when I talk about feminine and masculine because, you know, you can also see food as more dense and the material density can be more masculine rather than the spiritual can be more feminine or vice versa. But uh, yeah, you know, there's always different layers and sometimes it, it, it is helpful to, to think about it that way. Um, and I by no means mean to say that, uh, you know, there's something to do with gender and that women are more attached to food or that they should be raising the children or, but it's just in terms of, um, yeah, like when you look at it from the cultural side, which is something that I studied actually at university, I was studying sociology and culture and philosophy as well. And um, I'm very interested in how our culture is really powerful tool to really um program us to then have us make certain decisions and have certain behaviors over others you know it's extremely powerful it's probably the most powerful tool is culture and so this brings me back to uh really seeing how humans are meant to create and right now how we have the opportunity to create an alternative culture that fosters the things that we want to see in the world and and trends you know they don't have to be specific things but movement with like information and art and you know hope and um really looking at the future as this beautiful thing that we all get to create together and not something that is uh is like a, a dark thing that is going to happen to us <laughs> because there's a bit of that too right it's like what is the future going to look like with everything that's happening in the world right now but the, it's it's in a way it's also a blank canvas for all of us to paint <clears throat> yeah I, I love that alternative culture um i i'm thinking uh an example of uh I, I agree with you. Culture definitely influences decision making, and it's such a powerful um, kind of compass that we have in our lives. And and one of the things that I I thought of when you said that was uh, sleeping. You know, we were just talking about dreams. Uh, sleeping, like when we're supposed to sleep. Uh, you know, when it's appropriate to sleep. When it's appropriate to wake up. Um, you know, what is an appropriate amount of time to sleep, like all of these societal norms that inform our decision making. And I was talking to a friend about this pretty recently. And so what I've been, just to give you context, what I've been doing pretty lately, what's been a part of my life has been trying to shift um, out of those societal norms and, and really working through that because I acknowledge for myself that if I, you know, sleep in, there's this story that turns on that, you know, you, you shouldn't sleep in it. Like it, it's, it's unproductive, it's wrong, etc., etc. You got to get up at a certain time. You got to do X amount of work to be this productive and then go to bed at a certain time. And if you don't do all those things then you know, you're not living up to society standards or you're not being an upright citizen of society, whatever the story is, uh, you know, that narrative that I'm carrying. And so I've been, I've been working um, through that and processing 
things and allowing myself to live according to my own time. Um, and one of the things that my friend brought up was, um, you know, way back when, um, when we didn't have, you know, electricity, running water, all that stuff. And, and people generally lived in, in smaller communities and groups. Um, there was generally a fire keeper at night, right? There were generally people in the communities that would guard over the community at nighttime where they would guard over the fire or whatever it was. And so there were generally people who were up during the night and they weren't necessarily up during the day. And, and this also applies, obviously, you know, maybe some people napped a little more during the day and some people did not. And now we look at today's society and there's this, this very strong narrative, at least in my opinion, that, you know, nighttime is for sleeping, daytime is for um, being awake and you just, you're, you're not allowed to, you're not, you're not allowed to do things differently without um, breaking some sort of norm. And I, I just think that that's so interesting because if you, if you think back to that time when we did have fire keepers, um, you, you need some people to be up at night. You, you, you need some people to do things during the night. Otherwise, no one's watching over the fire. And by the time you wake up, there will be no fire. So I, I feel I'm bringing that up because I feel that a lot of the norms that we've um, created over time as a species, um, they're, they're disconnected from our natural, you know, like our natural needs and our natural way of living in harmony with the planet. Um, yeah. So I'm bringing that up to get, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that the way in yeah. which some of these norms, um, you know, they, they're, they're just so, I mean, to me, they feel disconnected from what's a natural way of being as human beings. For sure. Yeah, they're rigid, for sure. Uh, I can see that it's, um, in a way, I'm laughing because I'm remembering my uh, my studies. I had this professor who was, um, I was kind of studying capitalism and how, dark capitalism is, was and still is and how it it shaped completely everything the whole world and order for the elite it was kind of a marxist perspective to tell you the truth um for this course at university it was great though for the elite to use us as resources as labor force and I, i'm just laughing because i i just hear her in that context it's, convenient isn't it so convenient that people would sleep eight hours a day so that we can work eight hours for the corporations you know or like go go to school to get programmed for eight hours consecutively it's depriving us of our sovereignty to decide our our connection to ourselves to our body to our needs to our creative impulse too because i think you're right that um, the night can be made for other things. And actually at night, especially if you live in the city, I find, because there's so much going on during the day, at night is when you have the, the space, the etheric space to get creative and do other things and maybe focus more because there's less distractions around you. So, um, and funny enough, you know, talking about the archetypal language, the the 
night is the feminine you know if you look at the day as like the consciousness of the light the masculine the night the moon comes out it's cooler it's more feminine so um yeah a lot of women are also reclaiming being up at night connecting to the full moon at night during their rituals at night the night is the time where we can get more in touch with the spirits because again there's more space in the ethers for them to come out and and the light is such that we can see uh we can see them more easily with kind of our third eye or our visions or whatever we can do all this sort of spiritual work so we can you know, if we if we see it as reclaiming the feminine, reclaiming uh, t this time for ourselves, and for our time to maybe be creative, uh, it's definitely something that is worth exploring instead of feeling, um, you know, guilty for staying up too late and guilty for waking up later. Uh, for sure. And I find that these are cycles too that changes throughout our life. So I, yeah, I think that it's, it's okay to embrace being up later if you're young, because that's just where you're at in your life. Don't think that uh, you'll always be, be there. I, I worked once with, um, I did some spiritual coaching um, in, in Toronto. I was doing that um, more so in Toronto. I still do it online now. And this person told me that he has um, a bit of um, uh, insomnia. And I told him, yeah, you know, sometimes we can't sleep at night. Maybe it's just phases, but maybe there's something else for you to do. And so instead of be tossing and turning in his bed and feeling guilty, which made him feel even more anxious, which made him less likely to sleep, he would just go up and um, take a walk and meditate. And that was his time for himself. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are like that, where we can just change our perspective on things and feel better about it if we can just reclaim them and, and know that it's, you know, we can make those decisions. We can, we can live according to how we want and uh, stop listening to that mainstream narrative about certain things, which is most likely made for you know, by convenience or just, you know, more masculine values as opposed to what is more natural, like you were saying. Yeah, absolutely. Reclaiming, reclaiming um, our nature. That's a really beautiful thing. It's definitely a beautiful thing. I think for me, I definitely, um, I mean, I've, I have been reclaiming it more and more. And I, I definitely, as, as time goes on in, in my life, I realize that uh, my, my body um, is, is very much, um, you know, it works in along with either the season that we're in the geography, geographical region that I'm in, like there, there are certain things that feel more natural. I have natural tendencies based on where I am or what time of the year it is, or of course those, those longer cycles throughout life. And, you know, being reclaiming that and, and trusting that and uh, just expressing that to its fullest, that's a really beautiful thing. And, and it is a process. It definitely, um, at least for me, it has been, it, it's, uh, it happens gradually, that kind of reclaiming and, and empowering ourselves to do that. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It really helps to have a community to do this work and to understand that it's 
there's other ways basically um that really helped mm. me to know that yeah there's um yeah it's not just you you know it's not just you having this intuition it's a thing a lot of people are feeling it and you can you can trust that feeling and uh, have the support with this community who are feeling the same thing to really change your life into what you want it to be what you feel it to to be mm -hmm. yeah absolutely i i'm, I'm with you community is uh, community is part of i think human nature i think that's another thing that i've come to realize is uh is is part of nature and um, without it, life can feel very disconnected and uh, sort of discombobulated. It, it makes very little sense without a sense of community. Um, so it's definitely, and, and also just storytelling, people sharing um, what their experiences uh, are and, and feeling seen and feeling heard, that, that is really powerful. And it, it, I, think, I think that's a really big part of um, our journeys in life is, is being seen and being heard because otherwise we tend to, uh, this is my opinion, of course, we, we tend to lean into this, this sense that what we're experiencing is unique to us. And, and that makes us feel alone. And then that in turn can turn into loneliness and then loneliness can feel um, that turns into hopelessness. And then, and now we're disempowered. Whereas when we are feeling seen and feeling heard um, and, and we're mirroring for each other, we're actively recognizing that we are mirrors to one another. Um, now we're not alone. And so none of that other stuff happens. And instead we feel empowered in, in that sense of, uh, you know, um, collective understanding of things and, and that sense of lack of separation is the word I'm looking for a lack of separation feeling feeling like we're all part of the the same the same experience um, that can be very empowering so definitely with you on community um, yeah I, mm -hmm. I want to say thank you for everything you've shared throughout this conversation it's definitely um, you, you've definitely offered perspectives that for me, at least, we're new, and I appreciate that. I think I think um, that that's a really beautiful thing to show up with and to give. And yeah, before we wrap up this episode, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to part with? Well, I'm just resonating with what you just shared, sister. I just um, love this sharing, you know, sharing from our heart, from our experience. And just hoping that others find healing and resonance and uh, this feeling of connection, you know, from, from what we share. Uh, this is exactly what I do in Women's Circles. And uh, I'm really hoping that this podcast inspires others to um, really listen to their intuition, to their heart, follow their dream or whatever impulses is uh, saying yes inside of them and for them to live a, a beautiful, connected life. Mm, I love that. I love that. Aho. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much to you, sister, for doing this. This is beautiful. I love your energy. And uh, I think you have so much to offer. And you definitely find, you know, part of your purpose during these uh, podcasts. So I hope you continue. 
Oh, I will. I will. <laughs> I'm, I'm on this. I'm on this ride. I'm not getting off. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. And that was episode 26 of the Glove Podcast. It was a beautiful conversation. You know, the irony is, um, I, you know, like I mentioned during the episode last week, and you know, I was, I was reflecting on my divine feminine, you know, my feminine side, feminine energy, feminine leadership, just all, all sorts of stuff around uh, the feminine. And um, Clarity and I were, were supposed to have this podcast episode probably two weeks ago, or at the very least before I started to reflect on, on those things a little deeper last week. And so to have her on the episode today and, you know, um, this is something that she is passionate about and, and works with women around, you know, it was just incredibly synchronistic and I'm so, so grateful. And yeah, like I said, there were perspectives there that were offered that were just uh, new for me and I, I appreciate them. I appreciate um, the, the stretching of my um, perception or my perceptive muscles, if you will. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. I hope you benefited from it. I hope you received. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for all the support. Do share um, this podcast far and wide uh, with people that you think might benefit from it. And share feedback. Anytime you have feedback, I am all ears. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lots of love. This was the Glove Podcast.